Hey, it's that time. I got some things to, to rant about. I uh, got a great group of folks to rant with. So it's time for Connect This. I'm excited. We, uh, we sold the show as having Kim McKinley, but uh, we upgraded her. Um, and I can, I can say that because she probably won't be watching it. <laughs> oh, that's um, great. Kim stranded herself somewhere without internet access. And so uh, we uh, asked Heather Gold, Vice President of External Affairs for Mears Group Broadband Division, to step in. Heather, wonderful to have you back. Thanks, Chris. It's fun. Yes, it is. Uh, we also have Doug Dawson, our, our regular every other week news champion. Welcome back from CCG. I'm really struggling since Heather's glasses aren't large enough. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah, those are tiny glasses. They're not, they're not as big as Kim's. I know. No but, ones you know, are not, as big as Kim's. Yours are pretty nobody large. Can be so. that cool. Yeah, yours are pretty large. We also have Travis Carter, the USI fiber guy. Hello, Mr. Mitchell. Long time no see. Yes, yes. And Chris and I had a dinner date the other night. It was wonderful. He yes. took me out to a, a nice uh, Mexican restaurant. Chris started out playing. He, he started out the evening difficult. He's like, oh, I'm fasting today. And I'm like, I was oh, trying okay. to. And so he I, smashed, he smashed figured, the Mexican. I figured we'd come over, we'd hang out, he'd order some takeout, and, and we would just you know, play some pinball and yak. And he's all like, we're going out to eat. And like this cool place. And I'm like, all right, I guess I'm not fasting anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. Uh, of course, like everywhere else you go, Travis knew people there. And uh, um, uh, let me tell you, if you want to know how to order food, watch Travis. Cause he's a pro of figuring out what the best food is at any place. Well, remember Chris, I have to get my 10,000 calories a right. day or I'm a bear. Right. <laughs> I mean, so <laughs> So, you know, yeah, I, I've got 53 years of, of eating. I mean, this is this is my this is my jam. A little internet and food. So oh, I love that. So uh, and I'm Christopher Mitchell at the Institute for Local Self Reliance, and we uh, do have a uh, telecom peekaboo to launch oh. out with today. Uh, this is one that I think we may have covered before. Um, this comes to us from a nice, uh, vi a nice uh, suburb of Des Moines. And, uh, I just want to throw it up there because I felt like, I think we talked about it a little bit before, maybe we didn't, but I think it's pretty elegant. Like, I don't know. How do you all react to a small cell like that? Well, it is a nice case. That's the, they're now starting to use those generic cases and there's 10 different things you could put inside them. It's I mean, you very cool. You could use that case for a Wi-Fi hotspot if you want. There's all sorts of devices that'll fit in it. So it is pretty good looking. So, Travis, yeah, I like it. So it's yeah, nice. I mean, you know, the top is the antenna. Obviously, the radio is underneath there. So, um, you know, depending on the band you're in, will dictate kind of the size of that antenna. But I, I, it's it's about as clean as you can get. Mm -hmm. Let's put it that way. And so, and that's a street light, right, guys? Yeah. That's right. And yeah, Heather, I'm, I like it. In your experience, Heather, I mean, you know, you're well aware that a lot of communities are frustrated with uh, different aspects of this and, and whether they're going to see ugly poles all over the place and complaints from neighbors. I kind of feel like if, if a lot of, if this is what was being deployed, we'd have a lot fewer fights in communities about them. Well, they look oh, right yeah. behind it. There's just the big old square ugly streetlights. It's certainly. Yeah, not, yeah, yeah. And people that still, that still that have their utilities on above ground poles. That's that's yeah. what blows my mind is when you still have that. 
yep. in a nice neighborhood. But um, no, we're we're having a struggle in Loudoun County, Virginia, because of the NIMBYs. But um, that I think is pretty clean looking. Yep. I, I, I will comment this though. I think you are going to need more of these to cover the same amount of of real estate as the traditional, you know, directional oh, antennas oh, that oh, you get. So, so, do you want more of a cleaner look or fewer of the monstrosities? I guess that. What would do be the, the directional antennas look like? They're just yeah. um, they're just much larger, a lot more cabling. You know, maybe for the next peekaboo, I'll try to grab a picture of a. Of a of like a high gain small cell. So you'll, you'd have to choose: do you want more ugly or more nicer looking ones, or fewer uglies? I guess would be. Can you they're, not, the... they're not sleek looking like this. They're just bigger. Yeah. Just Can you put them on the fake trees? <laughs> yeah. We have a lot of the fake trees in our area. Yeah. Oh, you do. Yeah, I think you know. I've seen those where they like try to pretend like it's a palm tree or something. Yeah. No pine tree. Pine tree, yeah. I think they've done palms too, though. I think they've done both. Yeah, I've seen those. You wouldn't wouldn't do a palm in Virginia. (laughs) (laughs) Not in most parts of Virginia. I agree. Um, Let's jump on to uh, Travis's back here. Uh, Travis decided that he wanted a real new tree in his yard and uh, had a nice taste of reality here uh, the other day. Uh, Yesterday? Yeah, uh, that was yesterday. So um, yes, and Ruben, we think that's a five G small cell. It could have been a it's some kind of small cell. So I've been trying to coin a, a new term here, and I, I think we need to. Um, oh, don't let me forget our homework exercise too to see if anyone did that later, Chris. Oh um, yeah. Um, I went from nice high def internet to low definition internet yesterday when the uh, cable was dug up in my yard. Which, by the way. Good job, good job, uh, cable company burying it three inches deep. But that's a whole separate conversation. So, anyways, I was um, I was an LTE internet user yesterday. Oh my goodness! I still want to know how you pick a spot for a tree and somehow that's where the cable was. Well, the, I didn't put it there, but I, I didn't put either the tree there or the cable there. But they came together in synergy to ruin my day, and um, but. If you're so going to call it, if you're going to call it the story, am I that addicted to the internet that I can't live for six hours without it? Which that's question number one. But question number two is, I think, I think from an um, internet standpoint, if you've, it, life is about perspective. And if you've never had high quality <laughs> internet, some of these wireless offerings probably would feel pretty amazing. But if you've had high quality internet, Oh, you never want to go back to the low res internet. That well, I that's was why I was surprised because you on you're on low res internet regularly, and you will be again in January and February when you're out traveling. And and I feel like you're kind of accustomed to that when you're in that situation. But when you're in your home, it was intolerable. Well, it was because there was an al- there's an option when you're out in the middle of nowhere. Sure, low res internet makes sense, but when you just when you need to get the cable just from one side of the yard to the other. Oh, off to Home Depot I went. And so now there is a cable strung through my new tree all the way down the road. Yep. Do you, because so, do you think I was going to wait till December 14th for the appointment for the cable company to come fix it? Oh, no, I fixed it myself. I'm out there last night unplugging and plugging in. So we're back in business. So I'm impressed. Yes. I am impressed. I don't know what I'd do if there was a cyber break in my house. 
Oh, it was so bad. I, and so I just waited around to see if anyone in the house noticed. All of a sudden, it's like, what's wrong with YouTube? I'm like, well, what are you talking about? It like looks terrible. <laughs> you know, why are my pages rendering so poorly? Oh, I'm like, I don't know. To, well, because we were on low res internet yesterday, but we're back high res today. So I like that you're calling it, you're calling the cable company high res. Let's be clear. I feel like the cable is probably like 1080i, and then you got the 4K, 8K from the cable, from the fiber oh, system, right? I'll take cable any day over wireless. I'll tell you that. But that's a whole separate conversation. Well, remember we rated our top 10, you know, technologies at one point. And yeah, I think I would take DSL over. It's so bad. It is so bad. Yeah, I mean, I definitely, there's a lot of factors on DSL there. Let's be clear. I mean, there's yeah. a lot of wireless that most wireless at this point <laughs> is way better than DSL, but not mobile wireless, perhaps. But see, I knew um, Chris is fired up today, so I had to get my little DSL plug in there. We uh, we had a homework assignment. Um, we saw we saw that uh, our friend Alan Fitzpatrick from uh, uh, Open Broadband in North Carolina had done a test, and he said it really was quite different. It oh, was yeah. poor. But I haven't seen anyone that, uh, that threw on Twitter any screenshots of their tests i didn't do it because i still haven't fixed the problem where i'm sitting here i actually have a real bottleneck somewhere in my network that um constrains the download speed and um so my <coughs> tests would not be all that useful from here and i was too lazy to go to the access point you have a bottleneck in your home i don't know what's going on i get 50 megs down 50 megs up from my desktop and i'm supposed to have and i get a gigabit elsewhere in the network down and so um there's something going on here and i just because i get that 50 megs up that's all i care about so that's <laughs> it's good enough to fix it so so it's the lead walls you know that's what it is <laughs> everything's it's wired i have i have at this point 30 or 40 uh cat 5e and cat you're, 6 you're getting 50 on a wired connection Wow, there is something definitely wrong. Yeah. Wow. Hmm. What do you think? Yeah, Travis, Travis, will, Travis will be over to help you if you. No, no. I uh, bet you the end. I bet you. I have it tone there. and trace. I just haven't set it up to figure out what's going on. He's got it wired wrong. <laughs> Hundred megabit half duplex to Chris's office. So. Yeah, yeah I didn't do the test because I'm on Wi-Fi and I'm at the far end of a long, skinny house and. <laughs> three floors above the modem it does not work well in my office yeah so let's move on to um the a couple of stories before we ask travis to regale us with the latest tirana update from his personal install um and this is something that uh, i think is welcome news to all of us uh the uh senate uh i believe it is being carried by i forget who the republican sponsor is but um Oh, uh, now the Virginia. Who's the Virginia senator that's carrying this bill, Heather, to remove the taxes? Well, we don't have any Republicans and senators. No, no, you've got the Democratic, the guy who is the right. vice president candidate. Who is, what's his name? Oh, Tim McCain. Tim Kaine. Maybe I'm wrong then. Who's sponsoring this bill? Oh, my brain shuts down at the wrong times. Um, the, so the, our two senators are two, Tim Kaine. Yeah. And now I'm having um, a senior oh, moment. This is a great show. Killing it. <laughs> Anyway, someone from Virginia. Really, oh, yeah. He's on the Intelligence Committee. 
the um, they sponsored a bill which they promised to do to reverse the taxation of the broadband grants. This is a, that was a just brilliant hosting way of getting into the, the key things here. The uh, broadband uh, grants are taxable because of the Republican tax bill in 2017. I want to say um, they took the authority away from the IRS to determine whether or not to tax things like broadband grants and said, "Yes, we will raise taxes on broadband companies." And now. The broadband companies are like, this isn't cool. I mean, actually, people like Mike Romano have been fighting it forever. But uh, finally, there's getting some attention that it is really dumb to take back 20 cents on every dollar that they spend on broadband expansion to private companies. Um, so, Doug, I was curious if you had a reaction to this. I was like going to you first on these things. Well, you know, they always forget something. So, OK, great. They're taking four programs. I looked it up. It is Kane. Um, no, oh, but the other senator is Mark Warner. Yeah. Warner is who I thought it was. I thought, yeah. So I've just, I'm totally but, but mixed up. Happens, Warner, I think, is carrying it also. Became, yeah. But, you know, it's like while they were doing that, why didn't they put state broadband grants non taxable? They could do that. <laughs> you mean for federal tax purposes? Yeah. 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 Yes. And so they, you know, they, so they still didn't do that. So if you take a nice big, you know, grant from your county or, or your state broadband fund, it's still going to be taxable. I was just surprised. What, that's most, that's most what I wanted to talk about. Come, well, most of those yeah. grants come from federal money too. So well, this, then it I should just, be federal. Anything funded by federal money, rather than that's the, I read the legislation direct. Yes, it's it, it's just four specific programs that are being talked about. They're and talk, that was my reaction. Why IIJ, would you do this? ARPA, ARPA from federal. It is, and it is not the CARES Act. Yes, the CARES Act not is not the CARES included. Act. Right. And so, what about B? What about B going forward? Well, that's IIJ, from IIJ. Yeah, that'll be covered. So, so, so to be very clear, because I was talking over people a little bit, I got to work on this. Um, they've decided to specifically exempt some broadband programs, saying that yeah. other broadband programs apparently should be taxed. It's, it's dumb. It's really dumb. Well, what if you take money from HUD or something? There's yeah. other programs out there. <laughs> yeah, and this isn't just for for-profit companies. This impacts no. co-ops that have partnerships that are structured in certain ways. Right. Uh, this is really dumb and counterproductive. And the only thing I can figure is I assume they're structuring it this way because they they don't want it to look like they are for ta for reasons of like a, a CBO score. They don't want to look right. like they're they're losing too much revenue, right? So they're playing these stupid games because of dumb politics. They put them in a pile and they picked out a certain dollar amount. And that's where they stopped. Right. Yeah. Well, well, better some than none, though, Chris. Yeah. Right. That is true. Yeah. 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 Um, so that I just want to get that out there that uh, something is moving forward, but pff, we could do better. Um, we have some comments here. Thank you. Um, our, our Minnesota fan um, uh, says that um, uh, it looks like Mediacom did all right. Uh, on the, this is for the, the the streaming on Amazon for the uh, football games. And um, uh, CenturyLink is getting crushed um, when this is happening. So um, I'm, I feel like Juan saved that homework assignment. It was pretty impressive. All right. Go, go. Oh. And if I had checked my chats, Rye was like, in, was telling me who that Senator was like immediately. And I just didn't notice it. So. <laughs> <laughs> Rye knows. <laughs> so um, second story that uh, again, is going to be, I think a pretty quick one. Wait, I think that's gotta be a banner. Rye, there's your opportunity. Rye knows. Let's run that across. Rye knows. Yes, Rye knows. <laughs> pound, pound it. Hashtag. Um, Jacksonport, Wisconsin. This came out just recently, uh, a few hours ago. I saw the news thanks to the uh, um, 
uh, Keller Heckman uh, Broadband Digest, which is a wonderful way to check in on broadband news. Uh, Jacksonport, Wisconsin, uh, will be voting on giving Frontier a huge handout. Uh, and what I thought was interesting, this is uh, Frontier has DSL there. This is in Door County. They've been trying to figure out internet access for 20 years. I think every consultant has has gone through Door County at one time or another. Doug, did you ever get to Door County? Indeed, I did. I did the last one. Yep, the one that they're yep. working on now. Yep. So uh, this is a town that has not, well, the town, and then it's a little bit outside the town, I guess, because the town has 700 people, but it's uh, for 952 addresses. And they're expecting it to cost nearly $4 million, and the town is going to put up $1.75 million for Frontier, one of the worst companies ever, which has improved its services of late, but still an awful, awful company. And I'm just saying, like, in an area where they already have DSL through town, you're telling me it's really going to be three and a half million dollars to touch fewer than a thousand addresses. Does that strike you as crazy, Doug? Well, first off, yes, because the chances are they use the fiber numbers from our feasibility study, which is stringing new fiber versus overlashing. You know, how, I mean, how much does it cost to overlash 900 homes? You know, so they could be the 175 they're giving them is everything that they need. And they're getting it for free. I think so. That's <laughs> that's what I think is happening. There's don't they have to don't that. they have to file with a good cost study there, Doug? No, this is this is like not a state program. This is just the town. This is a local town grant. Yes. It's not even the town doesn't even have the money. The no, town I'm working has, with I'm working with some towns who are doing grants, but you have to only get paid with receipts. And so sure. if they do it that way, they'll never spend that much because it'll they'll they'll pay X percentage of whatever bill you send. But they may or may not be doing it that way. So But this is uh this is pretty remarkable. And what's um, the percentage of the amount they're giving them is the remarkable number, even if that's the true cost. And this is gonna give them cost... half of the money, yeah. Because this is not, and one of the things that I found interesting, this is not money that they got from the feds that's burning a hole in their pocket. They are literally going to borrow money on the town's dime to give to Frontier. This isn't like, they have $100,000 in rescue plan funds, but like they're looking at $1.75 million to give the Frontier. They're going to take it to the town voters. And the question is, are we going to see the same regular people that oppose municipal broadband running a campaign in Jacksonport to tell people to vote no, like they've run in all these little main towns. I think we know the yeah. answer to that question. <laughs> <laughs> Who's going to oppose? Well, Who's gonna there, might be, there might be this weird little outfit called ILSR that's going to be in there. So, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think I could justify the time to stay of one small town from doing stupid no, things. I know. <laughs> You know, Travis, I, I am seeing many... around. I'm seeing around the country that, and, and Charter's a good example. They went to a county I'm working with and asked for 100 percent of the cost to build broadband. Yeah, if you can boldly, get it, they, they boldly they said, "We'll be love to do it for you." Here's our number. Give us all of it. So, yeah. Travis, how many towns would you build um, <laughs> if they paid you 100 percent of the cost? <laughs> I'll take them all. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you might. <clears throat> I mean. I don't know if we've ever figured this out. What, what episode is this? Like 50-some? Uh, I think it's like 55, 56. These networks are expensive. So somebody wants to do it for free? Heck, I'm, I'm in. Let's, and I uh, think the other thing you're going to see, and I, I said this before, Chris, before we went to live, that a lot of communities are going to start in panic about getting meeting the operational and technical qualifications to do it themselves. And they probably will feel it's safer just to go with a name. You know, it's like, when you, when I was younger, you never get fired by using IBM. 
So, yep. I'm not so equating. Heather, I'm not equating Frontier with IBM. I'm just saying, you know, it's a name brand. What's well, interesting in that right. What's interesting in that particular county is there is a local independent telco is doing a lot of the other towns, so they they have an option. But maybe that that it's possible the telco can't do everybody. So I don't know. Mm -hmm. There has to be some reason that they picked them. I would imagine they did an RFP or an RFI. So it's an it's an unusual choice. But I in the last week I've seen similar announcements for AT and T and CenturyLink. I mean. They're all yeah, out just, there with their hand out. So. Carl Bodie yeah. had the first response on Twitter to me, which was, uh, worked really well for West Virginia. <laughs> so. Yes. <clears throat> Where the state gave them the middle mile network, which was open access and immediately became non-open access. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Travis, you were going to say something. I was just saying, didn't we decide that 99% of these dollars were going to go to the incumbents anyways? Or was that just mm. my number? That was your number. Oh, that was my number? Okay. All right. Yeah, and if we're playing by prices large, right rules. We all agreed it would be north of 50. Yeah, it's going to be yeah, yeah. I think that's accurate. Yeah. Heather, you think that's where, where I mean, you, you see obviously. Yeah, I team. think, I, I think, um, well, there's two things, I think. I think, first of all, there's going to continue to be private money come in. And I've seen a lot of, of private money doing rural areas, which I think is pretty amazing. But um, that's that's been an experience I've had that is very interesting. And then. Um, I'd rather go with a private provider with private money than wait to see if I was going to get bead money three or four years from now, right? And then I do think it's going to be north of 50% because I think even though the NTIA language is all very positive, very pro-competitive, very we want this, we want that, I think that the requirements that surround it are going to be very hard for new entrants or smaller communities to, to pass and to feel oh. comfortable with. And and in order yeah. to guarantee they get their share, they're going to do things that you and I would think were not in their best interest. I don't think a new entrant's going to get any bead money. I don't it's so stacked against a new entrant. Never going to happen. Yeah, let's talk about that again in a in a second here. I want to talk yeah. more about where we're seeing the money go. Um but I, I did want to take a second to um, get an update on Tirana. There's kind of two interesting points that have happened in the last two weeks. Uh, one is, uh, Travis, uh, I may have some more more updates with us. Uh, where are things going with uh, Tirana, Travis? Well, I, I had this little kind of matrix I built here to kind of role play a scenario, if you, have, if you would entertain me for 90 seconds. So... Mm -hmm. Where do you envision from the from the marketing that Tirana and its customers are trying to position this as a technology? What what piece of the pie do you think they're trying to attack? Because I, I'm struggling with seeing how this is an urban or even a town alternative. And I just want to make sure that I understand where they're out there pitching this and in what segment. And then that would kind of guide us in our direction of if this is a viable technology or not. Well, they are pitching it everywhere, but the, that ones, was my who answer. Are, the ones who are buying it are the rural guys. Yeah, and I think that, that from rural, from we're talking about deep rural to also, um, you know, like main towns where, um, you know, it's not like new, it's not like Wyoming rural. It's like Maine and Vermont rural where you have a fairly standard distribution of people, but it's quite light and there might be some trees and things like that. Okay. And 
Yep. Go ahead. Sorry, Heather. Well, what's the attraction if you have trees and things blocking your line of sight? That's what I don't get. So that's where supposedly Toronto does well, is my understanding. Well, Toronto, let's, let's be clear. Toronto does well with noise. That's really what it does well with. Everything okay. else, well, every, I just, everything, I, everything so, else I mean, is just wireless. If you look you know, at open broadband, I think you'll find that they're making claims about blasting through trees. Um, and, and they, so open broadband, Alan Fitzpatrick will regularly put screenshots up with speed test results and talk about like going through trees or things like that um, in terms of what they're experiencing down there. So I think that the, I mean, I've run into this in Maine where the, the idea that it does go through foliage has been a part of the sales pitch that it's a great solution. But that's more of a spectrum issue. The one yeah. the spectrum that goes through trees better than the others is CBRS. So that has nothing to do with what radio it is. So, yeah. yeah. Remember, when you turn your car radio on to AM, it, go, it travels the best. FM better, 2.4 better, CBRS, or sorry, you know, worse. And as you get up into 5 gig. So, yeah, this has not, you know, Toronto so far has not invented anything new as far as the frequency it's operating in it. It has interesting noise mitigation, but when you overlay a financial component on it, this is where we get into the, is this a good technology? It really depends. And it depends on, can you make the math work? So if, if we take a 90 degree sector of, of rural area, what's your sense of, and again, I know it's a loaded question, but is there a hundred customers potentially we're, we're serving? Usually at max, yeah. Okay, so if we say a hundred, and but the it's best probably less, yeah. So. Well, let's hope it's a hundred because my math falls apart real bad under a hundred. So, okay. and let's assume that we get what do you think we can get half the people in these rural areas, or do we get more than half of them? If you're the best thing going, you'll get 50, 60 percent. Yeah, if yeah. you're the only, if you're the only option versus something else. And what do you think we need to charge? Just a, just a gut feel. What would our monthly well, fee? Well, the big wisps who are talking about using this stuff charge $100. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, okay. Now, see, see, this is where the depends comes in. If, if we're right. competing against $50, you know, cable, DSL, T-Mobile, AT&T, and all the other providers – then you make no money. No, this is where, like, this is where, I mean, I, I think I support WISPA and what they do in advocating for their members, but this is where I feel like the talking points, can, um, uh, they, they bounce into each other because they want to talk about how they can do fast speeds and they want to talk how it's lower cost to deploy. They very rarely talk about what their members are actually charging homeowners because when we look at it, you know, we're talking about 75 bucks for 25.3 is very common right now. And getting faster than that, you're looking at, at usually more than $100 with some exceptions. But, um, but usually it's a pretty premium price. Yeah. Because this is a premium technology. I mean, it, it is expensive. The equipment is nice, though. I mean, I'll give them that. This is not your $90 ubiquity stuff. But is it any nicer than any of the other high-dollar stuff? Not really. It does well with noise. The question is, how much noise do you have out there? But it has all the same intrinsic problems that 5 gigahertz has. So is, is, it, a, is, it, a, is it a game changer? I do, I'm not seeing it, quite frankly. And you really don't see a business case for it at 50 bucks a month from of ARPU. Okay, so the best I can tell is if we assume that the hardware will last, let's just say four years. You know, we're going to finance it, our money at four years. At uh, I even put it at eight percent because who knows how much we're paying for money here next year. So we went a little, I went a little high on the interest rate. 
all in before you have any, your cost is right around $45 to mm. per month per subscriber. So if we're charging $50, I don't know, are we going to do something for five bucks? Better no. hope something doesn't go wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but if we're charging well, 100 and and there, there's, there's an opportunity. So is this going to replace cable and fiber and everything in there? Heck no. Not a chance. It's and, unless unless you want poor low res broadband in an urban area. Well, it's it's probably not going to do any better at your house than the the FWA you were getting on your yeah. cellular, right? No, and and actually it'll do worse because there's just we don't we're we're too high a frequency and True. we have too, too low power. And the cellular doesn't have the interference, right? Oh yeah. Oh, can you imagine having a clean spectrum like that? I mean, this is where CBRS was a great idea, poorly implemented from my perspective, giving people 10 megahertz slices of, of spectrum and people that could pay for it could get could get a lot more spectrum. I mean, it was it was set up to fail for the small guys. You know, I have yet to see one of these programs really do well for WISPs other than five gigahertz. And that's and everyone's so, fighting, everyone's fighting in there. I'm not sure how they make the argument for any kind of funding uh, when you start into the affordability aspects of it. I mean, it isn't going to solve the digital divide if they have to charge a hundred bucks a month to be competitive. Right. Yeah. Well, so let's, who, who are they appealing to? Let's, let's expand on that point because you do realize that a lot of the RDOF winners are charging hundred dollars because that was not, RDOF was an auction. They didn't ask you any of those questions. I, well, I think well, $100 is within that. I think that falls within the two standard deviations, like cost, like, isn't, isn't there like a requirement that their prices fall within, like, this is where you get into like the stuff that I don't know about. Very few people get into the weeds here, but their pricing, it is constrained, but it's constrained to a ridiculous amount. No, no, it's constrained to urban broadband prices, but you know, two standard deviations of the average Com urban standard broadband charges ninety two dollars if you get their raw price. So you right, they're easily within that margin. Ninety two, right. Travis, they're getting there. Well, that, that's um, the thing. I mean, it really it all depends. I mean, to Doug's point, a hundred. If you have a hundred dollars monthly rate ARPU, you got a lot of you got some dollars to play with. If you're competing right. for fifty dollars, um, and but to, that's. This is, I mean, let's be clear. This is why they are so vehement that fiber's not needed because they know that, that they're screwed if fiber comes out there and starts charging people 50, 60 bucks a month for gigabit access or, you know, for 100 megabit, 300 megabit. That's what we're seeing from the electric co ops generally right. is, is those yeah. sort of like, um, because they can make those numbers work. No, so this that's is why their, this is their big cry to become a monopoly and they're, they're not going to right. go ahead. Heather. And that's, I'm just really concerned. I know you guys say, well, the RDOF rules didn't, it hasn't kept them from charging that much, but I do not think this is going to pass the smell test with the, with the money that's coming out now. And I just can't imagine county commissioners or small towns saying, oh yeah, charges a hundred bucks a month. That's, but that's I think, affordable. I mean, this is where we'll see what happens because this is where it'll start to get uh, confusing for people, right? Because 
in some of these areas, it will be the cost of fiber will exceed the threshold that states set. States will set the threshold at which um, you can use a wireless technology rather than fiber. And in those areas, uh, the money will go out. And I don't think there's any sort of consideration for what the cost will be. And and th I think at the end of the day, the county administrators will be upset. But like people in New York State were upset. But did we ever hear them in the in the news? Like the people who were left behind in New York State? No, we didn't hear much from them. And there were a lot of them. So you want you want to hear my theory on how, if I was doing this? So if we were running Chris Mitchell broadband in, I don't know, make in small town America, right? <laughs> you got a mouse in your pocket? <laughs> yep, yep. If we were running that, I would I would be running fiber in the town center. I would uh, and and generating you know reliable, easy to maintain technology, and I would run some sort of wireless technology out to these out to these rural properties because what, what people aren't don't talk about and i don't know if they do doug where you talk about is the ongoing maintenance of these fiber networks in rural areas oh my that's it's expensive you know when you're out there and if there if you get something dug up and you have to locate your utilities and you know it, it it's it's very 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 expensive so so actually i'd take i would lose money on the wireless side and make money in the town center and i would have price synergy across the products that's what I would do and try, and try to keep the competition out. Described a lot of business plans. Yeah, that's all I would do. I, I wouldn't run. It would be it, unless I had owned the poles or I was some kind of monopoly like the power company where I, and I already had crews, line, lines, people that could go out and fix things. But if you're just a small independent ISP of, let's say, the four of us running it, the last thing we want to do is wire up Billy Bob's farm. 18 miles out of town with fiber and then maintain that fiber plant the whole time. I'll do it. Cause we're gonna, like... we'll do it. We're going to send Heather to fix it. It's fine. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> I, want, I want you guys to have a big picture of me out there with a backhoe. Yeah. I, like, I like Ruben's comment that this is something to be used as you build out. Yeah. And that's, clear, that like, doesn't I... match the current programs. You can't do it. That's you can't do a two-step in these current grants. It's just not there. But I, it's yeah. not clear to me that that's Doug. So this is what I'm confused about, right? Like, I feel like the bead was written by people often that don't have as much of a grasp on the technology as, as y'all do. Um, I think I may have a better grasp than some of them, uh, but it's people that were trying to do the right thing. Um, the question is if a state does give money to someone using Tirana in the rural areas, what happens after five years? What happens when they have to replace it? Yeah, because like the idea of this program is that like we're not going to give money again because we're right, building these future-proof right. networks. But, but, but the are states all these... are going to be able to ignore the future-proof requirement in areas where there's any significant costs. But are all these business models flawed where there's not enough rev ARPU to maintain them? Oh, no, no. no. They're, the business model is based on like how much the person's extracting. We've talked about this all the time, Travis. Many of these networks throw off enough cash that you could continue to upgrade them and do better. Yeah. But yeah. if you pocket it and you live in Vegas and like and you're just looking to retire and, and, you know, or sell it to private equity, then no, there's not enough money to keep upgrading it because like that's the whole point of the business model. Well, okay, so human nature, we can't get around. But every one of these networks that are being built should have plenty of capital and plenty of cash flow and plenty of EBITDA to get traditional debt to, to upgrade the technology. The wireless technology is more frustrating because you have to upgrade it more often, but, right. it's, but it's easier to upgrade. And um, I, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm surprised we, we shouldn't need to go back to the taxpayers and get more money over and over and over and over again for this stuff. I mean, well, if we're we've done it. 
we've you know, already we're, done it for years. We're going to have you. the FCC well, talk about a long-term subsidy program for ISPs. Now you watch. Guess and guess who that's going to go to? Big guys. Right. Because I mean, I feel like some of us will justify that, right? Like I definitely think a long-term subsidy program to help tribes is warranted and would be a good program. I think that there are some number of homes, you know, for instance, in like um, we've had on before um, 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 Russ Elliott, who's now with, um, oh, that it's a the um, Siskiyou County, um, Siskiyou Telephone up in Siskiyou. And like, you know, like you have some of these homes where if we're going to, they're on the grid and like, but they're going to be phenomenally expensive to connect. And if we want to keep servicing them, uh, you know, or like some of these homes in like North Dakota where the windshield time is two hours to get out there and let in the farms. Um, like, I think there are extreme cases where fewer than 1% of us addresses may require something. But what you're saying, Doug is I think correct, which is that that's not where the line will be drawn. <laughs> the line right. will be drawn where it's better we're, for industry and bad for the taxpayer. Up. You already mentioned Frontier. We're going to end up giving Frontier Rural Fiber subsidies forever. Which are unnecessary. We're going to get $20 a right. month per customer forever, and which they will pocket. And, and every, they're happy. And the, and the FCC is going to say, we're making sure that rural broadband works. <laughs> so this is where um, we do. We did want to talk about this, um, but there's a there's a story. You know, I feel like I feel like uh, Fierce Telecom had some great clickbait um, digging out the highest cost homes with some of these uh, proposed networks, looking at like two hundred thousand dollars to connect a home, and the wireless guys are freaking out because they're like, we could do that for you know only fifty thousand dollars, <laughs> or I don't know. But I'm just making that number up, but. Um, they, uh, you know, it's an interesting point. And, and Gary Bolton says any place that has grid electricity, you know, we should connect with fiber. And I'm just curious where people come down on that. Well, there has to be a limit. We can't, this, this grant money's not going to go very far if we do very many of those, but I don't think there's that many of those. You know, Agreed. the big expensive one was in Alaska and wireless guys might find out that it costs just as much to do wireless if no house has a view to another house. And so, right. you know, so... Because I've looked at a few counties where the, I looked at one county in New Mexico where there were 25 or 30 homes we couldn't get to with fiber. It cost us much to get to them with wireless than what it would have been to build the fiber. But that, that's, that's also yeah. where, in my mind, that's low Earth orbit. But Heather, what do you say to that? That's, that is low Earth I, yes. I, I think, well, obviously somebody like a John Chambers who's speak, speaking next week on um, Fiber for Breakfast is claiming that there's more than enough money to connect every home with fiber and you know he spent a lot of time looking at this and maybe maybe there does has have to be instead of favoring the traditional incumbents we start in favor um the co-op incumbents i mean if they've done it for rural america maybe we just need to push them not all of them are ready to jump into telecom but no. the, we need to push them to do it if that's the solution if if we can get I agree. If we can get power to every home, then we should be able to get telecom to every home. And actually, I've been in parts of North Carolina. I had a member when I was at FBA who had fiber to every home up a mountain that didn't have electricity to every home. I mean, a lot of them were off the grid and using generators. But boy, they found a way to bring that fiber up the mountain. So I, I think we just have to be creative about this. And remember that the difference is you're building it once and we have to be willing to invest. Why should somebody that lives in a rural area be discriminated against because we can't solve the problem? I think we have to be 
trying to think about how to solve the problem rather than saying it can't be done. That's well, before you jump in, Doug, this is something Travis and I have well, talked about, which is, you know, I agree point. with that. You know, and the, here's they, the thing if is somebody builds a million dollar home, they should pay to bring the wine in. And so, but what Travis and I had talked about, I mean, in, in Minnesota or in Lake country, uh, it's not that clear because you have a bunch of second homes or third homes, cabins for, for rich lawyers or others. Not everyone that has a cabin is certainly a rich lawyer in Minnesota or Wisconsin or Michigan, <laughs> a bunch of other places. But like, nonetheless, like they're right next to the retired couple who lives in that home. And so there's an interesting right. question as to like how one, one covers that. And is there an income equity portion to it? And I agree with that. If you live in a million dollar home, you've got to play, pay more for your, I mean, it's just like you'd pay more for your electricity, right? If you're in a million dollar home. Mm -hmm. This all boils down to, cause you said it earlier, Chris, it boils down to how they're going to define who's high cost. And that's no one has said anything about that yet because if they, you know, you start needing grants in the range of $3,000 of passing. Anything north of that, you start really thinking about needing some help. And I have studied tons of places recently that are 15, 20, 30. The highest one I've looked at is 60,000. You know, that's still not that 200. But, you know, how far up are you going to go in that high cost thing? Because I don't know that John Chambers' numbers includes those places. And the problem is when you get above about 20,000, for passing, even a 75% grant from B doesn't look like enough to me. That's right. But that's where the the point of the electric co-ops, I think, is that we're not building networks for even 10,000 people. You're talking about 60, 80, 100,000 meters where you can right. average it indifferently. And so I think John Chambers is absolutely correct if we would embrace his and my model of let's just focus on the co-ops and those, but we're not going to do that, unfortunately. Well, but there's we parts might, of the country where there's not co-ops yeah. or one tiny co-op in West Virginia. That's not, that model isn't going to help them. So, Although, yeah. I mean, to be clear, there were no co-ops. I shouldn't say that. There were a few co-ops in the 19, in the early 1930s. That's where we got the idea, right? It was built upon like Pennsylvania and others. And, and well, if your model was to start the 20s. new co-ops, I'm and 100%. For yeah, look at the yeah. new co-ops co that are are jumping up in Vermont in particular. I mean, I think there are incentives for entities to go into co-ops and you can hire out the operational and technical expertise. But I, I think we have to find, like, again, I'm saying, don't say you can't have fiber. Find, yeah. you know, when I was in regulatory, if I had a lawyer come to me and say, we can't do that, it's a no. And I said, your job is to get to yes. You know right. what I'm, and that's how I feel about, about what we're looking at. Why should I condemn some person in the rural area living on a fixed income to having mediocre broadband? I mean, they're as important as somebody living in, in Leesburg, Virginia, like I do. So we have uh, a couple of examples here. Um, uh, I want to bring Travis in. So I'm going to um, uh, let's see, what are we going to do here? Travis, what's on your mind? I feel like we've been been talking around you a little bit, and I want to make sure you're pulled back in here before you fall asleep. No, I was No, he's thinking about dinner. No, no, no. I was <laughs> waiting about the question. Is there an application? So why why would we be putting Tarana out in a, in an urban area? And it's not necessarily to make any money. Really, the challenge we have, especially up here in Minnesota, is the is winter. So 
what, what, what I'm looking to do is have an alternative to get people onboarded onto the network very quickly. Because when you're competing against a cable company or an incumbent, say, DSL provider that has every building already wired, they can onboard customers in a matter of, of moments. We have a, fiber providers and the new income or new providers have a uh, construction phase. And sometimes that can take up to two weeks to onboard a customer. So what my vision is, is to run Tarana temporarily until we can bring the fiber to the home. And it's the same model I've been proposing the whole time, even in these rural areas, build the urban center, get enough cash flow, and have these government programs require these operators to invest a certain percentage of that free money they were given to build out to these to these rural areas without going back over and over and over again and, and sticking the taxpayer with all these with all this debt for these networks that are not gonna get built. I mean, I'm just I'm not convinced they're gonna ever get built. That sounds like a good idea, but you can't force that kind of frugality on the commercial for-profit providers. Yeah, I'm not, this is my dream. I'm just dreaming. I know. Yeah. The courts will tell you. No, I think the fact is, that's exactly what the muni and the co-ops do. You just described yeah. it. Right. And that's, yeah, that is their model. But, and to but answer Ruby's question. They're never going to do that because they got to yeah. have, apparently we're picking on people who want to have a home in Vegas. Well, no, but I'm also, <laughs> I, I, and I'll just say that, Tra uh, Doug, I agree with that, but I, it's not the commercial guys, right? Like there's a bunch of companies that are making money. Travis, you know, I was visiting his house. He's getting new fish, um, you know, like. I'm doing just fine. I mean, I don't. The thing no, is, that's my point is that like, but you're reinvesting significantly. And I, I just, I mean, and I know Doug, you agree with me, but I just want to call it out. Where other no, people I'm talking can hear about too. the rural guys. There's, there's not yeah, many commercial guys in rural areas who are doing it. There's some. Yeah, exactly. There's some, and I don't like, I just want to make it clear. Like the problem is generally the bigger companies. And then also some of these unnamed large winners of Ardoff who are kind of fly by night companies that have terrible reputations. Um, those are the ones I'm worried about. And or venture capital backing. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Which or means suck every penny out possible. Yes. Could we stipulate through legislation that a percentage of these dollars have to go to smaller operators to, to you know, or does it just all get sucked up by the big guys? Travis, how many lobbyists do you employ? I mean, yeah, that's I don't a problem. Even know what a lobbyist is. So, so that's yeah. why the small oh. providers don't get yeah. carve outs. I mean, yeah. you know, yet and yet NTCA does a good job. Um, you know, but like it, sort of like the idea of creating brand new co-ops. Do you know how many people were lobbying in the federal government to create new cooperatives in 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 West Virginia? Like point one, maybe. Like, I mean, there's no lobbyists for the good ideas. Like the, oh, it's the right. I was just re re revisiting a, a great book. Um looking at some of my notes in it yesterday, Republic Lost by Larry Lessig. And, um, and just reminding, like, I mean, the, the, the sheer um, number of, of lobbyists uh, that are on the large corporate side versus the small number of groups like public knowledge and free press and, and uh, consumer reports that are out there doing a good job. Like they're literally outnumbered. I mean, like 25 to one would be a good day. It's like a hundred to one. The AT&T has in Texas, my understanding is AT&T has one lobbyist per like legislator. In, I was just, in Chris, from my alt days, I knew that. And I was just going to remind everybody that that's the power they have. Mm -hmm. So, um, but but don't you know. people get tired of this after a while? I mean, the 
You know that 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 one well, that people that, are not legislators. That, that that's you, right. And you saw what <laughs> you saw what NTIA said in their in their document. You saw the words, but then they just couldn't help. I mean, they had to also focus on we're not going to throw this money into companies that we don't think are going to be financially viable. That's a major concern of theirs. So right. hence ahead, the Travis. technical and sorry. oh, sorry. No, I, 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 I don't know. I, you know, I've been listening to this stuff from Chris for 10 years and I finally heard about just seems this, like town, this town in Southern Texas that just has a can do attitude. I was it far P H A R. Yes. This, yes, they're building their this, own this network. Is a town that everybody should be going down and seeing what are they doing? Because this sounds like a town that is actually, is actually tired of dealing with all of this bureaucracy and whatnot. And they're just getting it done for their, for their constituents. And you just at some point don't don't these towns just get tired of being tired of not having it, and somebody steps up and and gets this done regardless of all the, all the free money sitting out there. I mean, if they've got a hundred dollars a month to deal with in ARPU, I mean, we're making it happen in, on like sixty two dollars of ARPU. You'd think a hundred dollars ARPU, you should be able to somebody should be able to build a network, or does everyone just sitting back waiting for somebody else to do it? I don't know. I don't know what's going on here. Far isn't. <laughs> Maybe we need more farms. Maybe we need a visionary government money. And then Tra farms. Travis, I'm here at the Texas Municipal League, and far to date, the only person that's actively engaged in doing it themselves because there's ambiguity in the Texas law. Okay. And so, who wants to stick their neck out and find out they invested money they can't use? Well, yeah, I mean, they, could, they could pass a law. They could, yep. they could make it illegal for them to be doing what they're doing it's in Texas. Against, yeah, they could. It's not, it's yeah. not against Texas. It's, it could be. It could be the whole Wilson, North Carolina scene all over again. And Heather, I I just wanted to mildly amend what you wrote because yes, I've seen this dynamic in many Texas towns where they're afraid of the existing law. Right. Um. But uh, Mont Bellevue did do it before Far Texas, and there's a couple of others like Lucas, Texas, lost the referendum. They were looking at it, and there's a bunch of places that are watching Far pretty closely. And I'm really curious to see how many of them change their minds. Hmm. Well, I, I think it's very interesting. Um, you know, it's not a, apparently it's not a black and white situation here in Texas. So no, it's not. And that's where this gets back to your brilliant point, Heather. And I've heard it from you before, which is, you know, you get lawyers who think their job is to say no to everything, but their job is to say, yes, if you do it this way, we can, we can get it done. Right. I really think that's so, a fundamental problem with the legal system. Heather, I think you brought up maybe the uh, the senators who are complaining about the rules. They're upset about NTIA and how they wrote how they wrote them. Doug, you wrote about it in uh, in a post on September 28th, lobbying the bead rules, and and you noted exactly what I was thinking as I was read that, which is you know they seem to have a big problem with the rules that the big companies don't like, but they don't say anything about the letter of credit that's killing the small companies. Oh, I know, not. isn't that awful? Of course not. I mean, but you know, the state, back, back the them. What's funny is they are lobbying for all they lobbied when the bill was written and no one paid any attention to them. <laughs> but the state, you know, the good news is the states are looking at that letter of credit issue and trying to find the solution. So I think I think that's, you know, they seem to be pretty aligned on on solving this. Mm -hmm. But let's go yeah. back to three minutes ago. Where do you think all the lobbying is going to go for the next six months? State broadband offices? No. Oh, yeah. Go governors and legislators who will tell the state broadband offices what to do. 
I think going. this is where we're going to see that. Uh, this is what I'm seeing. And, and Heather and Doug, I'm curious what you're seeing too. Uh, Travis is blind, so let's not ask him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, but since Doug and Heather have visibility into different states in, way that, in ways that Travis doesn't have to, um, uh, I feel like a lot of the beat offices, not beat offices, a lot of the state broadband offices, they're being populated with people that actually want to try and solve the broadband problem. Often they these are. are people who are working in other places in government. They have a sense of service. They're trying to solve this. And I think we're heading to conflicts where we're going to see state legislatures like being attacked by <laughs> lobbyists and trying to cut the legs out from the broadband office because the broadband office is trying to solve the problems rather than just trying to get money to AT&T. I'm in a state where the legislature already said we have approved you accepting bead money as long as we get to approve the plan and they're going to get rid of everything in the plan they don't like. And so this broadband office can spend all the time in the world they want writing this plan and that legislature is going to take the final say. And this is not that unusual. So. And where do you live, Doug? I live in North Carolina, Asheville. And your, your state has, is, considered sort of a star right now a rising star in north carolina in broadband planning well, no they're doing a great job in handing out money it just all goes to charter <laughs> or <laughs> the bright stream yeah right stream so. um but they, but they are getting it done and they're not waiting for big money so. right and i i live in a state that has a very good broadband office that has seemed to flourish regardless of the political party of the powers that be uh, which I really attribute to Tamara Holmes and her saying, I do not make policy. I, I give out grants. So I think that's no, really been a, you a are good... one of the states who's doing it right. So yeah, well, they've Chris, done it Chris a long a state time. That has a huge, a huge surplus just from tax money. They got a huge amount of, of ARPA money and they give a minuscule amount to the broadband product. Who is that? Minnesota. Oh, I know they're a mess right now. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, we I mean, gave our, my state, of North Carolina, gave a billion dollars. You all gave ninety million. It's like, what the hell's wrong? Yeah, yeah, and we have so and not only do we have, we had a nine billion dollar surplus, and right. right now, and things could change at any minute, as Travis well knows. Um, but we, they, there's talk that it could be twelve or thirteen billion dollar surplus next year. But none for broadband. And so Isn't Chris, that interesting? Because, because they used to be considered such a leader. Yeah. And, yeah, when and Matt, Matt Schitt was grants here. are still limited to $5 million is the largest grant you can get. So you can build a little tiny bit. Yeah. How far Travis? does $5 million go, Travis? Well, not very far, but, you know, on yeah. our way to dinner that Chris wasn't going to eat, I did drive him by his very favorite project that we did build here in Minnesota. I don't know, is it like $70 billion for some choo-choo train to run from downtown? <laughs> no, it wasn't that much. <laughs> Is it up to seventy billion yet, or what? It is is like two point seven billion. I guess two point um, seven billion for a choo choo train. So, I and let's know. be clear, I have not been a fan of this project for many years. Oh, you um, haven't? Oh, you've changed no. your opinion. I thought. No, I haven't changed my opinion. I'm the one that's texting you with the latest outrage. <laughs> uh, but you know, I do want to sneak something in here that is real issue for the small operator. The letter of credit is one thing. But the interest rate issues that are going on um, and the is a huge deal. And to the point that we've even pared back our 2023 build plans just because of the the, the tremendous increase in the interest rates. So Do I we have to send you an address for the priority? We're not at the top yeah. yet. I keep so uh, this yeah. is something that, that's real, that's, that's really affecting people today. 
um, especially those folks that are on variable rate like we are. And how are these folks, the small guys, going to raise their matching funds at those kind of interest rates? They're oh, not. yeah. You're, no, yeah, you're if not. Elon Musk can't even do it. Well, what you yeah. got to remember is the high interest rates, you think banks would loan more because they make more. That's when they stop lending. They don't, it's interesting they, you bring that up. They yeah, don't we make met, loans with the higher amounts. Yeah. We met with our lenders, and they're they're really they're they're not taking any risks right now. Mm-hmm. They're 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 staying mm-hmm. right down the fairway. So if you're a new entrant in here you're and you're coming and thinking you're going to do it with debt, mm-hmm. oof, you better bring a lot of so, equity. To play. And in my mind, this brings a real opportunity for somebody that's an experienced operator to sort of build a new consultancy where they'll go in and help these communities by being their operator with sort of a build to own type of scenario so that they can eventually have, after they're trained, take back their network if that's where they want to be. I mean, I don't know. What do you guys think? I think it's a great plan. Yeah. All you need to do is find a hundred really experienced people you could trust to do that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Heather, help me, help me understand that model and I will, uh, what, what, how, are, how are you saying it would work? So I think what you do is you um, go you into hire Chris Mitchell. You hire Chris Mitchell and you hire mm-hmm. um, Travis and you go in and say, we're experienced in operating telecom networks. And for a certain fee, you get the grant money and we'll operate it and train for a fee, right? You have to make money too. your people so that they can eventually step in and run the network. All right. Isn't that so I, mean, I, mean, I like I, I like the idea, but let me let me play the other side of it. Hold on here, one second, here. Travis. Before you play the other side, Heather, who are you going to ask about? Isn't that sort of what Utopia is doing in some of these markets? I like think with, kind of Fujitsu is doing this. Um, Fujitsu is doing yeah, but that. I'm in, talking about somebody that has an operator history. You know, right? No, I'm just saying that, like in terms of that, like if phone wanted to look at that. So, Travis, what's the yeah. other what's the other side? Well, I, I think the other side is because you know. Uh, you know, greed comes into play for a lot of people here. So if, if you're a competent operator, that's why you hire me and you, and, and <laughs> businesses are trading at 25 to 30 times EBITDA out there. The last thing you want to do is come in and teach a town how to fish. You want to come in, build a network, you know, get it EBITDA positive and then sell it off to private equity. That's no, but that's, 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 that's what, what Kim and Doug are positing, though, is that we're talking about people who don't want to do that, right? Like people like you, Travis, who who are interested in this. There's there's lots of people out there. I mean, well, there's, are there there's, are there lots of people? Because I, yeah. I would I would argue that there are not lots of people because there would be lots of networks right now. But there are. And like, that's the thing is that I mean, like if not all of these people are great at coming on shows, but there's like 10 or 20 people that and I grant that I know alone in different states who are doing versions of this, who are in it because they love it. Um, you know, and, and if they were great communicators, we'd have them on the show more, but like they're but, out there. But what percent of the market do they have? It's tiny. Yeah. Tiny, yeah, tiny, that's, tiny. It's, it's, yeah. yeah. But we're not talking about the big, big swaths of the market. We're talking about the smaller communities that are really desperate for good internet and they don't want to get stuck with satellite. And I think, I mean, this is, this gets to the next stage of things. Um, something, and I think we can get, we'll tackle this topic in a little bit of a roundabout way, but I wanted to point out New Haven. 
where um, the community was looking at building a municipal network. New Haven has a lot of poverty outside of um, Yale Law School. And, um, and they were looking at a municipal network. And now they've backed off and said, basically, the federal government solving this and Frontiers building a citywide network. And I was just like, Jesus, you people don't understand a damn thing, do you? Like the idea that Frontier and, and bead dollars that are going to rural areas of the United States are going to somehow solve the poverty problems of New Haven? What are they're crazy. Well, somebody did a really good sales job that bead money is going to go to cities. Now, yeah, that's what, that's what I wanted to hear. Exactly. Cities, bead money's not coming to you. Connecticut's going to get 100 million, and they don't have that much world to solve. So well, they've got the Northwest. That could eat up a whole big chunk of it. it. Could, but some of it, some of it could come to cities, but they're not going to build whole cities out of that money. Well, I think if it comes to cities, it's going to be for supplemental and supplemental support for incumbents that will do some kind of big Wi-Fi push. You know, it's the Comcast, what's the name of their program? Internet Essentials. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm afraid of is this idea of let's put um, let's put a bunch of one-time money into these things that when the money runs out, it just disappears. Yeah. But the bottom line is somebody who's really good at Frontier talked New Haven out of it. And it's fair enough. Like New Haven, who knows if they would have done a good job of it. I mean, there's reasons to not think that New Haven was going to be amazing at it. But just the reasons that they give suggest that they don't know anything about this. And this is where I was, I don't know if it was on this show or not, but if you called up a public works department in any city in the United States and you said, hey, what's the difference between blacktop road and and a concrete road? And they would be able to give you a whole bunch of information about that because that's what they're that's what they know about. But if you ask them, like you know, about if you ask anyone in the city in most cities about like broadband connections and what it takes to connect low income folks and stuff like that, nobody knows anything about it. That has to change. But don't you think that's going to come out with the digital equity plans that are required? I mean, I think that's going to be the big gotcha to start. I think that is the gotcha on all these state broadband offices. I think there are some state broadband offices that are going to be not that great that uh, that already know they're not going to be that great. And I don't, you know, and the legislatures can scream all they want, but if they don't do a good job on their digital equity plan, and we all know a lot of states that may not do a good job on their digital equity plan, then they're going to get that big red fail on their state broadband planning. It's worse than that, Heather. What- it's worse than that, Heather. The very same senators that we were just complaining about, one of the one of their seven bullet points was don't make states even file a digital equity plan. So some states are thinking about not even doing that money. Well, we'll see what happens in November. But I think we kind of could guess what states yeah. that is. I mean, let's <laughs> just make it clear. Like Mississippi looked at the rules and they were like, well, if we can't give this money to Brett Favre, we don't want it. Just awful, but well, they, wonderful well, they, local well, reporting. They would take the money and then give it to Brett Farm. You're wrong about that. <laughs> <laughs> so the other piece of this, I feel like, is that we are seeing cities move forward, right? Maine has more and more towns that are that are looking at these models, often working together, which is the right step. Uh, Lexington, nice. Tennessee just announced. Uh, I, I feel like there's a ton in Tennessee that could be moving forward soon. Glenwood Springs is expanding. They were the, the original municipal network in Colorado. Uh, they had a public-private partner partnership approach that didn't really work out with wireless, but um, there's a a lot of cities moving forward. There's a lot of rescue plans moving. We haven't seen the end of this yet. Like there's still a lot of moving pieces, I feel like. And I think it's great 
Chris, because one of the things I'm interested in really making the state broadband offices, and if that doesn't work, making the communities themselves understand is this whole concept of clustering. Because as as who, somebody earlier in the show, I don't, I don't know if, oh, it was uh, Travis was commenting on, it's expensive to build these networks. But if they cluster, it makes it more, because it's not just the expense of going down that lane that's three miles long, but it's also the expense of getting a quality contractor in there who has to build a yard, who has to bring in materials. And they have to have a certain um, population dense, uh, not density, but a certain population to serve to make that worth that investment. And I know that um, NTA is very worried about the financial viability of the contractors coming in to build the networks. And, you know, you have to do things like clustering to make it worth everybody's while if you want to have the best contractors at the lowest price available. Sort of a... You, you, meant, you meant at the least highest price, right? Yes, at the least yeah. highest price. <laughs> at the most we're, we're reasonable... Following. Right. We're following you. <laughs> That's where, I mean, I, I do worry a bit about, um, about the large contractors, the large companies being too involved in all this, but like we can only solve so many problems at one time, I guess. Like, there you know, it's not, gonna, that... we're not, it's not going to be ILSR's like dream solution five years from now. <laughs> no, no. And it's, and you'd be amazed at how few large nationwide contractors there are there are there aren't as they, they are aren't that's a, out a, like crazy yeah and this is one Everybody of the reasons home sucks. prices have gone up i think like it used to be that like we had tons of and this is outside my expertise but my understanding is you know contracting used to be this thing that was like that was very decentralized and and frankly that's what we want and it's been rolled up over the years in a, in a variety of ways and but and it's this not is one really of it's rolled up and in landing the big jobs, but the crews are all still little standalone pockets. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of. Here's the interesting thing to consider. For the last three years, all of the subs who work for Verizon are just completely fed up. I mean, they've all been organizing and I think they're going to pop over. They might all just abandon them. Oh, that would be amazing if Verizon can't Very find people to work. They, they have abused them massively. They forced them into, with all this inflation, they fixed, forced them into taking old pay rates. And they're, and they're literally, some of them are losing money. And so it's going to be a real interesting, they're going to jump over to these projects. Well, with all the demand I got, and CWA had already been active for the past few years. I got to think CWA is trying to figure out not just how to get these requirements into law, but also how to try to like get, get more members. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's a lot of moving parts. So I'm never gonna run out of this show. <laughs> Ala, so the, one other thing, Alabama Travis, had fifty-five is nothing, man. We're going for five fifty-five, buddy. Yeah, no, no, no. I think it's interesting. You know, we're we're going to be talking about the seventh once once in a lifetime amount of money at well, this broadband thing. The trouble is, we're gonna, at show five hundred, we're going to go. Travis, yeah. tell us a little more about your Toronto trial. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 we'll still be talking about how urban areas get nothing. You know. Right. 82% of Americans live in the cities and we get, we don't even get a nickel of help. So, you know, we got to do it. Well, all to be our... clear, the rescue plan gave a lot of money to cities and some cities are using it in intelligent ways. It's the city's decisions. It's the city a, of Minneapolis, of which is deciding fire trucks instead of broad. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't it just right. go all the go into the general budget? Well, the they question is, they, yeah. yeah. 
and the question is, so, I mean, like, so in St. Paul, some of the money went to actually offering um, uh, basketball leagues without any uh, res- registration fee. And that's pretty cool. Like they saw oh, that yeah, I think there's like 30% jump in participation among youth. Like mm-hmm. that's okay. That's cool. And it doesn't take a lot of money. Uh, so, yeah. so there's some good things that, that the money's going into, but, um, but a lot of the cities I'm, you know, I, I feel like, you know, and Travis, I think I made this point to you the other day, like you look at this money and, and my, from a fiscally responsible point of view, I'm looking at the budget and being like, all right, where can we make one-time investments that will significantly lower our operating expenses down the road? And I just feel like that not enough people have that point of view. Mm-hmm. No. Well, um, that business one-on-one. Yeah. You know, I, I didn't go to college, but I assume Wait, that's at least the first well, day we were talking about cities, Travis, not business one-on-one. <laughs> the, um, the state of Alabama is building, a, putting a bunch of money to middle mile with these co-ops working together. I thought that was pretty cool. They really, need it. they really need it. North Alabama just has no middle mile, so they really need and, it. So. But the other thing about Alabama is they have been pushing the electrics for, for several years now. If y'all remember that C Spire did a program with Alabama Power, that Alabama was one of the first states to sort of unleash its IOUs to deploy middle mile fiber. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, so they, the electric um, lobby, there's your word for the day, has been able <laughs> to get a lot of positive things through the legislature that help broadband in Alabama. I, th- I think it's a it's good model. Yes. So that's, I, I feel like I want to keep highlighting some of the, the good things we're seeing, but we are seeing uh, a bunch of, of good results from the rescue plan dollars. And I'm curious to see whether uh, if we find that even though much less of the rescue plan dollars was spent on broadband than the amount of money we're going to spend on bead, if the results are much better because of the flexibility that local governments and state governments. And I was just talking to someone where a state is making rescue plan dollars available for broadband projects. And a county is, is actually using its rescue plan dollars to match that money in partnership with another local entity that's bringing an in-kind in a small match. And they're going to build fiber out to this rural area. And, and that's terrific because they have all this flexibility in terms of how they can do it. Heather's in a state where that's the model. That's how they're doing their, all their broadband is exactly. Well, like Heather that. lives in a state. I mean, right now she's in Texas. Wow. Right. <laughs> I live in a state. She lives in a state. And I have three three providers into my house, but I don't live in a poor area. so. Right. And Virginia is one I, I do want to, um, we've heard a lot of good things, both from ISPs that I trust and from other people who watch it. And I've been negligent to get back to the wonderful staff there in Virginia, but we were going to have them on a Community Broad Bits podcast interview soon. Yeah, they're great. Tomorrow does a great job. Uh, so any any last things before we cut it? I think it's going to be a lot longer coming than we anticipate. I mean, the fights are already bubbling up. God knows what the results of the election will do to some of the implementation, but the mapping looks already like it's going to be, I would use a word, but I know we're on a public, a family hour. Um, it looks like a real mess. So our fan does like to watch this show with their family. Well, and and um, along those lines, my last statement is there's a whole nother legislative session coming in the spring where they can come and mess with the state broadband offices. It could get very ugly. So, yep. 
I have no statement. I appreciate everyone putting up a good fight. <laughs> Heather, well done. Well done. Filling in. Here. It's always fun to sub for for Kim. Yeah. Even though I don't have the, I'm going to have to go get a big pair of glasses. Next time <laughs> I sub around somewhere. You've just so, uh, created a pretty large void there for Kim to come back and fill now. So. Oh, I'll be sure to tell her that. I'll tell I her feel you like didn't. I think, Heather, the other thing is that I feel like you should just make a case for being our, um, uh, whenever you want to come back with a 10 or 15 minute segment to be like, this cool thing happened. Let me come on and talk about it. And then we can have both you and Kim and we'll have a killer episode. <laughs> um, you mean like we, like Kim and I had at that dinner that night when we were yes. laughing under the table? Um, <laughs> we'll have a, that would be blast. I love, you know, I, Kim's one of my favorite people. So I'm honored to be taking her spot. Um, but you know, I would love to be on with her. She's great. And we get into not, trouble. Let's not forget the fan of the show, Ruben. Good, you know, wait, wait, oh, wait, telling it in the chat. Yeah, yeah, Ruben, taking over great the questions. Chat. Yeah, no, I um, we had uh, a lot of, and then Juan for for following up yep. on that homework assignment with neighbors. That was terrific. Yes. Um, yeah, thank great, you, thank you. great folks in the chat per usual. Um, uh, okay, we don't, I, I got, I got, I have to ask it because every episode. Are we going triple or nothing on the FCC, Chris? I, uh, you know, it's a, it's a good question. I, I feel like the, we are expecting that in the next, the next, the next, what is it? The 706 report, Doug, the, the FCC has to do a report on whether broadband is being expanded on a timely basis. And when they do that, I think we're expecting that they will increase the definition of broadband, which is, should be, that's like a February, March kind of time frame. So I don't know, I don't know that they can get three votes to do that though. I mean, uh, it will be the curious. FCC will continue to lag is, is what Travis saying is Travis betting the FCC will continue to lag any yes. other government program. Yes. Well, so, Pretty so, good bet, uh, isn't it? You're so what's want. the whole, what's the whole point of, of looking like idiots? I mean, I don't, I don't get it. Well, I mean, Chris, I think the two Republicans, Chris keeps, Chris keeps voting in favor of the FCC for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> the two Republicans I've, well, so at this point, the question is like, what is the point of like holding the line at 25, three? I feel like, the there might have been a period where where Jessica would have given the Republicans more uh, if they would have voted, but now it's sort of like meaningless. So um, their ability to wrangle concessions out of something else in order to give Jessica those votes um, it may be diminishing. So, but I don't know. What I desperately want to see is Gigi Sohn on the commission because she will be the best commissioner we've had in many years. And what's I, your and over I, under on that? I'm not enough of a, of a watcher, but I am ever hopeful. And Travis will bring out his uh, drinking glass when I go on a rant. And I'm disappointed if uh, she is not confirmed because um, she is the kind of person that uh, we need to have on the commission. And I would say that even if I didn't agree with her on many of the issues, but like, I wish we had people on the commission that cared as much as she does and did their work as hard as she does. I um, not to say anything negative about anyone on the commission, but I'm just saying like in general, a commission should have the kind of passion she'll bring to it. I wish that all of the federal regulatory agencies had that kind of people. Yeah. So, yeah. so Heather, whenever is, Chris is getting too calm and relaxed, I like to bring this up because it gets his blood pressure going. So, and I, I, I like to send him back to his wife a little, little on edge. So the problem is, so Travis, I mean, <laughs> the thing is, we used to talk about wings a lot, but I hardly ever eat wings anymore. Oh, you know, I, I see your tactic was amazing. All right, Doug, Heather, I got to come clean. So Chris comes over, he goes, 
I'm not eating tonight, which was my first thought was, That's oh, not you what don't I want to buy wings. Right. I see how it is. <laughs> I you see took your it, game now. Travis, you took it personal. Oh, well, no, I'm no, gonna no. Have, I'm going to go out for Mexican tonight. Yes, yes, it was. Uh, so, no, I, I just thought it was funny. So, yeah, so the whole thing is 25-3, and I'm hoping they go to 100 by 100, just to Ruben's point. That's the day we're going to release – 100 megabit by 100 megabit. We're going to release 100 right. gig by 100 gig. I just saw. Day. I just <laughs> yeah. saw Doug shake his yeah. head. But here's the thing: they will go to 100 by 100 if they wait two more years to do it, because by then the mid and upper splits will be far enough along that the cable, the big cable companies, won't be fighting on it. They won't mind that. Maybe. Yep. Interesting. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Well done, guys. Thank you so much. Well done. Great. Thank evening. you all. Stay tuned on the socials to find uh, when the next show will be. But uh, thank you, Heather. Thank you, Travis. Thank you, Doug. And this has been a wonderful episode of Connect This. Connect This.